morning, everyone. We're going to start our praise service now. If you take out your purple praise book, number 118, Holy Ground. 118. 118, yeah. <laughs> this is holy ground. We're standing on holy him in his time number 81 
Our last praise hymn, number 168, Sing Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Olivet Church of Robbinsdale. Our opening hymn is uh, in the purple hymnal, number 133, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Leaning 
But what have I to fear Leaning on the everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms That song was in the honor of the birthday of Elsie Durand. Our next uh, hymn is uh, As the Deer, out of your praise book, 246.
group a round of applause. Would you give them a round of applause, please? Yay. Yay. <laughs> Folks, by way of television and radio, giving your applause, too. I appreciate that, and the organ music. I'm wondering, Mike, would you give us a... Mike, Dr. Mike Thompson, you want to give us an update on Paul and, and Joel? Would you give us an update on Joel and Paul? You certainly can. Well, Joel's doing great. He's uh, heading to church over at Messiah now with his wife. And she's had a little bit of a problem with her swallowing, but she's better today. That's Joel and Patty. And then my youngest brother, Paul, he is in an apartment over uh, a couple miles from my sister Naomi in Ramsey. And he's doing pretty well, too. He, his wife passed away. She had uh, breast cancer, and it was stage four when they picked it up, and, and they did the best they could over a year and a half, and then she finally passed away down in Georgia. But he's back in Minnesota now, and he's got a car. Mm. He doesn't drive very far, so that's why he paid close to my youngest uh, sibling, Naomi, and she lost her husband a couple years ago with COVID. Mm. So he's buried uh, out by the cemetery there in and she had a wreath there, and I went with her when she put the wreath on. And then just in the, the other day, just before the snow came, she picked up the wreath. Because it's still in good shape. She can use it again some other year. And uh, let's see who else in the family. Oh, both my wife and daughter have been plagued by attacks by Satan because they both had the right leg have problems. My uh, wife had a... Uh, fall and she broke uh, a bone down by her ankle but that's healing and then my daughter has had an infection in her big toe and that was just recent and so she had to have a little surgery to drain it and so that's Heather, my daughter and Mary Jane, my wife. You want to keep all, all those in your thoughts and prayers because they're receiving tremendous care in our hometown Alexandria, aren't they? And you were ER doc there for a while, weren't you? Oh, I was family doc for many years in Alexandria, working first with the Alec Clinic, and then uh, after a stint down in the uh, Twin Cities, uh, and working even in Arizona for a couple years, I came back and uh, worked uh, across from the hospital. And that's when they had uh, an excellent um, leader there, Bill Flagg. Randy Peterson was there, Dr. Randy Peterson. Randy, or? Bill Flay. And now they've gone from uh, Douglas County to uh, uh, a big corporation team and they took it over. And so it's the benefit for the local people isn't quite as good as it was under Bill Flay. 
Dr. Randy was number one doc in the state of Minnesota for our path. They did consider closing after you and your brother left, though. Well, my brother Joel never practiced in Alex. He was always in the Twin Cities, and then he practiced uh, in places to the north, all the way up near Duluth. He's got this place still up there on um, um, Split Rock Lighthouse. You can see it from this place. There. Beautiful, beautiful. And, uh, Fly over that with our F 16s. And that wasn't a concern when you came back from Ukraine, was it? No, that was years before when I was still working with uh, um, Fairview and, and then later North Memorial I worked with them too. When I went to the Ukraine in 99, the uh, big uh, controversy was whether they were going to stay independent or whether they were going back to the Soviet system. While we were there, there was a big vote in 99 and it was very strong for democracy and not going back to the Soviet Union. The only area that was wanting to go back was the area right next to Russia, the uh, eastern part of this. Was it Belush? Belush? Belarus? Well, yeah, and then they, they got the area going into the Black Sea, too, the Russians did. And, that, and well, anyway, then we, when we first went through there, and I was. Uh, uh, one of many doctors and nurses that were going there. We flew over with a, uh, a religious group. Uh, they were um, Methodists, and they were separate, and they were doing missionary work, and very successful too, because the first year over there, that we noticed that there was a strong feeling in their church in town in the Zatoma region and they even had a big black limo that pulled in and he was part of the mafia but they said he protects us so we let him come to church with us <laughs> and then did you know the ophthalmologist the doc yeah, in alexandria yeah, yeah. that was a methodist yeah and then the second year we went back in 2000 2000 we were over there in 99 four of the eight rural areas that we went to were new and four were repeats, and by each of the repeats, they were building a new church. Mm. And so we knew that they were wanting to be separate from the anti-Christian Russia and be independent. And so I've watched the developments over there, and we still pray for the Ukrainians that they can stand against the big Russian bear. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's pray for this family. God has really blessed that family, and I believe they give not only the Lord all the tremendous credit, but their Christian upbringing, their, their pastoral parents, and, and just the, the life and the livelihood and the character. Father, we thank you for the update. Many people have asked me about uh, the Thompson brothers, Dr. Joel and Dr. Mike, and 
Paul and his wonderful family and the colonel, the, the daughter, and we, we remember Paul and, and all the folks back in Alexandria and all the concerns, and we thank you for the tremendous support they've had for our church and the support for the community and we, the ongoing care and provision, Lord. We just pray that you have your hand of healing upon Paul, Lord, and, and, and the tremendous needs that are back in Alexandria for, for Mike's loved ones. And we, we thank you for the continuous care that Joel is receiving and he's out walking and leaping and jumping and praising the Lord. And we, we thank all those by way of television and radio and Facebook that take seriously the many people that write these names down and remembering these names and they may not be, be able to contribute to the Ukraine and Mexico and other areas of ministry but as they pray for this family and the family needs it, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous outreach that they've had and they continue to outreach even in their their golden years, we thank you, Jesus, that they never give up because, Father, you never give up on us. And we pray for our, our scripture today, Lord, as we study Matthew chapter 24 and, and that specific verse that where the, wherever there is a carcass, there's vultures were gather. It doesn't seem many years ago when I was pastoring in South Minneapolis and as I was to move to Deer River Big Falls, we were shocked. We were shocked by the news that came from a jungle in Guyana, South America, where on a remote airplane runway, a representative of the United States government was shot to death, along with crack NBC news teams. And, and it was only really the beginning of a tragedy it's when, within several hours, over 900 members of a cult were either murdered or committed suicide. And few television news pictures have ever been as shocking, as shocking as, as those of the bodies that were strewn across the compound as leaves fallen from a tree. NBC News estimates that there are currently 10 million members of cults in the United States alone. And that figure seems to be skyrocketing. A cult is any religious group that differs substantially from doctrines and practices of historic Christianity or from those churches considered to be normal religious behavior. Quite often cults gather about a central figure of charm and charisma who knows something of the Bible and has taken parts of it out of context. So while the leaders seem to be doting the, the Bible, he or she is instead posting a, a counterfeit religious culture on the unsuspecting flock of believers. It's not surprising to students of God's word that this uprising has occurred and it continues to occur that even in the leadership of our sleepy, sneaky leader, leaders who have difficulty spelling the word Bob backwards, 
Jesus himself said that it would, it would happen. Matthew is one of the classic sections of prophetic scripture of end-day prophecies. We pray for the needs of those by way of television and radio. We just pray, Father, that you would enlighten them to be pro-life, taking care of the innocent. How can we possibly even have a position otherwise? If we do not protect the innocent, unborn, how can we possibly protect the born? We ask, O oh Lord, your blessing upon the remainder of our service, Lord, as we, as we continue to remember the, the many shocking, shocking needs of our, our society today. Help us not to live in blindness or ignorance, run belief or shame or ignorance. Pray for the needs of those in our bulletin as we pray for Larry and Don and Ethel Bartella and Elsie Boquist who reads out for prayer and Jim Kreider, a faithful Bible study student of ours. We ask all this in thy name as we continue to pray during our worship service as you taught your followers to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time, Chris and Mike, if you'd make your way front and center here. Again, our scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 28. We'll begin by reading about the destruction of the temple foretold. As Jesus came out of the temple and was going away, his disciples came to a point out to him the building of the temple. Then he asked them, You see all these things, do you not? Truly I tell you, not, only, not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. Signs of the end of the age. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and privately saying, Tell us when will this be, and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered them, Beware that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am, I am the Messiah, Messiah, and they will lead you, lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Persecutions foretold. Then they will hand you over to be tortured, and will, be put, will put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The desolating sacrilege. So when you see the desolating sacrilege standing in the holy place, 
as was spoken of by the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. The one on the housetop must not go down to take what is in the house. The one in the field must not turn back to get a coat. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For all that time there will be great suffering, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no one would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce great signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, or do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and the flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Here ends the scripture. Brothers and sisters, our scripture today covered possibly the greatest, most awesome event in, in the history of the world. We all like to know what our future holds, but here Jesus tells us the conditions that will be necessary for his return. This will be undoubtedly, again, I'll say again, the most significant event ever in world history. The temple itself was a marvel of engineering, even by today's standards. They had stones so big that weighed between 110 and 120 tons. The stones were so perfectly fit together, you couldn't even fit a knife blade in between them. How they were carved and lifted into position, position so perfectly remains a mystery even today. Herod built and fashioned the western wall that exists today out of some of these stones. Disciples were showing Jesus the magnificent nature of the temple and were awed when Jesus said, I assure you that no stand will be left on another. Everything will be demolished. The disciples asked the question, second question. Tell us then, when will these things happen? And more importantly, what will be the sign of the coming edge, edge of the age, end of the age? So Jesus gave them warning of many being deceived. Those that will come in his name and claim to be he, but aren't. These imposters will fool many. Despite that happening, the end will not be then. Approximately 40 years after Jesus spoke those words, around AD 70, Roman armies began surrounding the city of Jerusalem to take it. What Jesus prophesied about the temple being totally destroyed happened 40 years later when Titus sat, on, sat the temple on fire. The residents that were hiding in it from Jerusalem were all basically cremated, very sad. And the gold melted down in between the cracks of stone. That's how, that's how hot the fire was. The temple was torn down stone by stone to retrieve the gold and complete the Lord's prophecy. 
Today, the rubble of those stones can still be seen. And some of those other ones have been stolen from the temple ruins to become part of the streets and roads. Everything that Jesus prophesied about the temple happened within 50 years. Peter, Andrew, and James, and John asked Jesus first, will the temple be destroyed? And then they asked, what will be the sign of the end of the world? Most likely the disciples associated these two things together. They were separate events. When Jesus tells us about Christians, what they can expect is return. As a people, Christians will be hated, teased, mocked, and killed. Instead of keeping their faith and remaining there, many will fall away. They not only deny Jesus, but they betray and turn each other in for the sake of their faith. To add to even more confusion, many false prophets will appear during this time and drive people away from faith. They're already under pressure from being tortured and killed for it. But now another guy comes up and says, oh, no, I'm the Messiah, blah, blah, blah. No, he's not the Messiah, but many will come in his name and say that he is he. Jesus continues to answer the disciples' second question about the signs of his coming and identifies the second precursor of his, re of his return. It's the tribulation. It will be a time of unprecedented terror and peril. He makes it clear that no guessing will be needed when he returns. Lightning will flash from the east to the west. Who could miss that? The best way to recognize the false messiah is to be in intimate terms with the true messiah and his words as written in the Bible. We must be students of scripture that we can discern between the truth and the lies. In the end, many will profess faith but will fall away anyway because keeping their faith has been more difficult than just taking these road and denying Jesus and avoiding all the persecution. But that time will be shortened by God, by his grace to save the remaining Christians. The fact that a remnant of Israel survived all this, plus other stuff that's happened in history, is evidence of God's grace. If God had not intervened in the persecutions, Israel would not have survived. Neither would the Jewish people. In the end, no matter what you hear in the news, it is as it should be. God planned it, and it will happen. Hold tightly to our faith, and know that a permanent Savior and eventually permanent paradise in heaven lies there for each of us with faith. You know, at the far end of the temple itself was built a white marble plated with gold and shone in the sun so bright Molly could barely look at it. It was gleamed. Now the temple was built between the Lord City and the temple of Mount Teropion. So I said thank you. Thank you, Mike. Mike did such a wonderful job. And Tina keeps Mike front and center here. So we live in shocking times. And I, I still remember it was a number of years ago when I was at Asbury United Methodist Church and 
pastoring with Glenn Quam and the tragedy in Guyana. And we just were sent, I was sent to Deer River Big Falls and Glenn was sent to Guyana, the Methodist church there to try to do a little cleanup of what was going on in, in Guyana. Because that was, I, I really believe the beginning of many tragedies, you know, just a few years ago. Because who could ever imagine 900, in excess of 900 individuals being so led astray so let us stray that they take suicide or means of suicide or chemicals to end their lives here upon earth. Well, I believe the Bible at many times, we've taken certain things out of context, but there are tragedies and tragedies. And, but this portion of scripture that we just read was um, in reference to Jesus' return to earth. And we all look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. And when we when we see things falling apart, they're falling into place prophetically. And maybe just to make a little plea for this coming Thursday evening, many of us go to the Revive or church or you can get it on means of communication and that they, they do have that capability. And many individuals that are, are really prophets of God, you know, just, I mean, they just really, you know, spend their entire lives or every living, breathing moment, studying prophecy and, and traveling. For example, Jesus indicated that there would be wars, nation rising against nations, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places. Never has there been a time, I thought it was bad enough when I was in the military, but now, you know, so many people have their bags packed and they're, they're on alert, on alert. And we as Christians need to be on alert. There have been many sermons and many books offered about these occurrences and the things that are occurring in the world. But Jesus took time to mention one phenomena over another, over another in that, this chapter, Matthew chapter 24. That of the rising false prophets, false prophets and antichrists before the Antichrist would occur. Many parading about as asleep and sneaking, you know, individuals, but, but the true Antichrist would lead many astray. Jesus re mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, take heed that no one deceive you, for many will come in my name saying I am Christ, and, and they'll deceive many. I come kind of somewhat think of our beloved former denomination, the United Methodist Church, and how the top echelon has, has laid aside the authority of scripture, the authority of scripture and the, the authority of marriage. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if they were possible, if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Scripture. For wheresoever the carcass is, the carcasses, there will the eagles be gathered together, according to Matthew chapter 24 and following. I grew up in the farm, and whenever we get up and we kind of see blackbirds and carcasses or smell something we knew that something had 
either died out in a, in a farm lot or got hit on the roads and many times our cats and our dogs were hit and I was part of the burial squad who would bury all those, those carcasses. And, and I would be reminded of this portion of scripture here. The word eagles, and eagle was our, our emblem. It was the eagle bend eagles. Is better translated vultures, vultures, specifically carrion, carrion kites. An ancient proverb quoted in the Talmud said that a vulture in Babylon could see a carcass in Palestine. Well, this, of course, is just an exaggeration, of course, but it is a fact that these scavengers glide quietly through the skies looking below for decaying, decaying carcasses upon which they may feed. I hope you, you and I never become a carcass. When the body of Christ, which is the church, which is the living, mature Christ, lo no longer contains divine life, when we don't protect the innocent and the unborn, when it abandons the living word of God, when fountains of eternal waters no longer flow from within it, when the true signs and the wonders have ceased, when, when liturgy, liturgy replaces the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it quickly dies and the vultures come from everywhere. The cults, the cults aren't able to generate any generate any life-giving attributes for society and only to feed on the dying or the dead remains of something something that once lived jesus said that shortly shortly before he would return that the vultures the vultures would gather around the carcasses for all the years of my ministry some 50 years of ministry i've been passionately devoted to the fact that, that the Bible, the Bible is, is literally true, that it is the inspired word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's the revealed mind of God to humankind, and I believe that the truth more today than ever, that it's true. The apostles taught that the, God's word was valid, it was confirmed by the early church fathers and mothers. The reformers spread the word again. Historic Christianity stands upon this basic premise. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, said that we should all sort truth by scripture first, tradition, reason, and experience. How do we stand in relation to scripture, tradition, reason, and experience? Those who doubt that concept become the carcasses for the vultures. A person who will not stand for something is quite likely to fall for almost anything. The doubters become almost ventriloquist, ventriloquists in the pulpits, in the puppets for Satan's first lie. His first lie was, yea, hath God said that? Genesis chapter three, verse one. The centrality of Christ is a key issue. Life's biggest question is still, what think ye? What think ye of Christ, whose son is Jesus? Matthew chapter 22, verse 42. 
Don't believe Satan's lie. Don't believe Satan's lie that all roads lead to God and, and all roads are good. They do not all lead to God. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. John chapter 14, verse 6. Note that statement very carefully. Jesus did not say that he was one way of many good ways or that he was a better way than others, but Jesus said he was the only way. Say it with me, the only way. And when a church group or, or a society or denomination in general accepts any method of salvation other than Jesus Christ, watch out. Watch out. The vultures have arrived. I absolutely believe it's correct when, when I say that the cults, the cults are the unpaid bills of the church. Where the body of Christ has tucked away the truth of divine healing in some forgotten corner or the second coming of Christ, the cults have dragged it out and made a tra travesty of it. When the church of Jesus Christ is considered the, the reality of the healing, powerful power of Jesus' body and blood, spirit-filled life becomes an embarrassment to the so-called enlightened age. The cults have built a trap offering supernatural help to men and women reaching for any straw to keep them afloat. Because the church has turned its back on the supernatural, the Satanists, the Satanists are, are having a field day, a field day, enlisting people who know there's more to life than what they have been offered. But on the other hand, it's a historic fact that where the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached in the power of the Spirit, cults have not had a chance of success. It is such an insidious, insidious thing. Modern preachers reject the realities of sin. Some of my contemporaries never preach on sin, never preach on guilt, never preach on damnation, never preach on regeneration, never appreciate and uh, participate in justification and regeneration. So the cultists pick up the language. They'll pick up those who have dropped to the force side. Nothing like in the COVID and the situations that people have stopped going to church and they've seen the cults grow and their word means different things. A cultist can use the terminology of the Bible. But to them, it means something 100% different than what the scripture, scripture teaches. An unsuspecting public hears the scripture words used by the cultist, believes them to be the old-fashioned gospel. And not knowing any better, they swallow that bait. They swallow that bait. You need to know when a cultist speaks of God, who or what they are really talking about. When they speak of salvation, what is really the definition of the term salvation? The Christian realizes that for every biblical or doctrinal term 
they mention that redefinition of light flashes on the mind of a cultist, just like your check engine light on your car. The sensor warns you of, gives you some foreboding of what may be occurring to your engine or your vehicle. And a lightning fast redefinition is, is accomplished, thus allowing the cultists to apparently agree with the doctrine under discussion while firmly disagreeing in reality with a historic and biblical concept. Early in my ministry, I had a very talented individual who graduated the top of his class in the Bertha Hewitt school system. Then he went on to the university and he, was, he graduated the top of his class in, in mortuary science. He came back to Bertha and he was practicing as a funeral home director and at a very young age was going to take over the funeral business in that rural area. But he got caught up in the Jehovah Witnesses. And the Jehovah Witnesses don't allow for the funeralization the process. So I had to leave his, all his preparation in college and mortuary silence, top of his class in college. To this day, he paints houses. The Christian realizes that for every biblical or doctrinal term the cultist mentions, there's a redefinition of light away. Face it, the cults are after you. The cults are after your children. I've had many parents in various congregations I've served where their children went off to college and they became reprogrammed from the fundamentals of the faith. Since Christ is the only way of salvation, the cults will cause your eternal damnation. It's just that elementary. It's shocking. Let me give you several ways to avoid being trapped. Let us pray. Father, we do not want to be trapped. We need we need to know Jesus Christ intimately. That doesn't mean know him historically. It means know Jesus Christ personally. That happens when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, when we are saved, when we allow Jesus to become the master of our lives. Then we are to know his word, know his word. God is always to help us to understand what is written. Memorization is a key, key to understanding the scriptures. We, ought, we should understand that the doctrines that the Bible teaches is not enough just to read books about the Bible, but, but to know the devotional needs. Many of them are very fine books, but they are not enough. We must read the word. There is no shortcut to this. We cannot emphasize it enough. And then thirdly, for our television and radio and YouTube and other means of communication. Allow yourself to be under the care of a born-again, spirit-filled pastor and teacher and the influence of a, a spirit-filled church. There is a philosophy out today that you don't need the church, that you can have an experience with Christ and then just go your way. But my friends, my friends, more than any time in the history of humankind, we need the teaching, the love, the discipline, the care, and protection of the church. We 
are to get involved to the hilt. We are to spend our time with, with Christians. Christians who read the Bible to us, who pray with us, who watch over us. That's our jobs, our calling, our primary mission in life. We, we know that they are the real thing. They are genuine. Their words will never contradict the Bible. The vultures are everywhere, feasting on superstitions, fears, haunting the quarters, quarters of our frightened minds, offering horoscopes instead of hope, human saviors instead of Christ, the only true savior. They are building earthly villas rather than laying up treasures in heaven. The gurus, the clairvoyants, the soothsayers, the preaching prosperity instead of holiness. Oh, the sham and the pre pretense of it all. Don't let it be your life that they feed upon. Jesus offers us life both here and now and for all eternity. For outside of Jesus Christ, there's only death. Outside of Jesus Christ, there's only the vultures. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and YouTube, would you say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my heart and life. Empower me through your Holy Spirit. Give me discernment in the times that we leave. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue in our worship and as we prepare to turn to our offertory, let us turn to our offertory prayer, if you would, please. Accept these gifts, O Lord, as our recognition that you have been ransomed at the highest cost, that we may live no longer for ourselves, but for him who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As the offering is taken, our offertory hymn is Precious Name, Precious Name, Purple, 536. Continual prayers for Larry Don and Ethel Bartella, Elsie Boquist, and Jim Kreider. <coughs> Yeah. 
pray that the grace and the peace and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit would go forth with us. Bless our food and our fellowship and as we honor the, the many virtues and gifts of the Thompson family, we dedicate our coffee hour in honor of their great works. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's close with Shalom to you in our purple hymnals, number 666. Shalom to you now, shalom my friends, may God's mercies bless you. and serve the Lord.